we are continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the important things about uh, understanding the sermon uh, that Jesus preaches in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is that, um, that Jesus is anticipating that there's going to be a new world, a new creation that we get to enjoy, a life where sin, where death are done away with. And he invites people to come and follow him and live and embrace life in a new creation. The trouble uh, that we face is, is that there is the ongoing tension of a new world and an old world. How do we, how do we follow Christ uh, despite there being all of these various tensions going on uh, in a fallen and broken world? I was uh, thinking about this week's sermon and uh, I, had, I had two uh, classic songs uh, rolling through my head uh, from the early 90s. Um, and, and the first one is the all, all for One song, I Swear. I swear by the moons and the stars in the sky, I'll be there. Um, I was thinking about making my own music video this week. Like it was really, it went down a dark path, guys. Uh, but uh, I maybe sang that to a handful of girls, and I realized that maybe I, maybe I didn't really mean it. Um, uh, but but then the other one is the John Bon Jovi song, "I'll I'll Be There for You." You know these five words I swear to you. Um, anyways, I at one point I think I had all of them memorized and uh, maybe sang them out loud in the car in my Plymouth Acclaim. Uh, that had the bumper sticker chick magnet on the back. Uh, those are all true things, guys. I know. You, wouldn't, you couldn't believe how cool I was in high school. Uh, Joel's here so he can validate the chick magnet. I also had the, uh, this is a side thing. It has nothing to do with anything. My mom had a daycare, and she would get new things for him, new toys, and I'd be the one putting them together. Well, there would be Hot Wheels, and they had these stickers on them. Well, I didn't put the Hot Wheels stickers on the little four-wheeler thing, Mom. God, I, I put them back behind the flames, behind the tires on my Plymouth Acclaim. I mean, guys, the coolness that radiated from me in high school, it's hard to imagine. But uh, uh, anyways, that has nothing to do with anything. But uh, we, live in a, we live in a broken world where vows, where we have to, uh, we have to swear by something so that we would be believed. And what Jesus is doing in, um, in his sermon is he's presenting to us an alternative world in which we live in. And he's inviting us to live that out together as Christians. He's inviting us to be the sort of community that lives out and embraces his teaching because he wants us to exemplify to a world one that is not filled with the brokenness of sin, but the unity of forgiveness. And so we are invited to be a community of forgiven, unified people in the name of Christ. And there's ways in which we live that out, yet we live in this ongoing tension. So Jesus, he, uh, in his sermon, he starts talking about oaths and we can hop in on our text. It's in Matthew 5:33. Again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. 
But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So Jesus says, you've heard, you've heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne. And he keeps going on and forward. Uh, so the first thing is, what is an oath? And I, I, put a, a half, I put a half a definition down in your sermon notes. An oath is a vow or commitment. If you look up in, uh, just in our common vernacular, you would think an oath is just that. But really, the definition is much fuller. An oath is a solemn vow made under, under God or some higher, some higher cause to validate the statement to be true. And so really, a vow or an oath or a commitment is made, say, under the name of God or in honor of the United States of America. In the play schoolyard, you know, back in the day, you would say, you know, I swear on, all right, pinky swear. We have a pinky swear. That meant you were pretty serious. If you're really, you know, really serious, you'd spit in your hand and you would shake it. You know, that was, that was one way. Uh, when uh, I was a kid, I would, you know, we would always say, I swear on my mother's grave. I was like, I figured I could do that because my mom wasn't, you know, dead yet, and so that I get by with with that. Uh, but we would make these sort of solemn vows, and we would swear by something so that we would communicate to people just how serious we are. What Jesus is saying, what I think is going on, is Jesus is inviting us into a new community where we don't need to make these sort of vows and statements because out of uh, just out of our very new character in Christ, we can be trusted. We don't have to swear by something higher than us because, uh, because we live with such character and integrity that what we say can be held as true. So Jesus is trying to wrestle with what does this new community look like, and he presents to us in saying what we do and what we say can be trusted because we have been forgiven by Christ and we're living in new community. And so the church, though, as you can imagine, has taken uh, this passage in all sorts of crazy ways. Uh, you, uh, they would look at it and say, well, you can't make your marriage vows. Jesus says not to make any oath. They would say that if you're in the court of law that you, uh, that you, shouldn't, um, that you shouldn't swear an oath there. And it can go crazy. When I was looking up, um, when I was looking up, all for one and the I swear song, there was actually somebody commenting about the lyrics, and they were actually conflicted about whether or not they should be singing the song because Jesus would frown upon it. And uh, I wanted to chime in with the internet people, but I just abstained. Uh, but uh, the, uh, but that's that sort of thing of what what is Jesus getting at? And there was a problem that people were, uh, people were doing in the ancient world that Jesus, I believe, was addressing. 
And so Jesus, he says, I swear, or he says, don't, don't swear any oath at all, whether it's by, um, uh, whether it's, uh, by heaven, by God's throne, or by earth, for it's a footstool, or by Jerusalem, the city of the great king. And don't even swear by your own head. We have sort of like a hierarchy, a hierarchy of, of vows. I think of it in this way. When you're making a dare, it's like, I dare you. You know, and that's sort of a dare. You, can, you don't have to do it. There's the double dare, which is a little bit more serious. Then you jump into the double dog dare. And that's like, whoa. And then in the famous moment in Christmas story where the kid just jumps all the way to the triple dog dare and is like, all right, you have to do it. You know, that, what happens with the sort of vows is that same sort of hierarchy. And all they are doing is just sort of replacing the name of God. If you are ultimately extremely serious, if you're looking to do the triple dog dare of, of swearing a vow, you would use the name of God. But if you're looking for like a double dog dare level, you would use, uh, you would use heaven. I swear by heaven. If you were looking to do the, I should have done a chart here. That would have been much more helpful. Uh, but each level was the next level down, and it was sort of varying levels of how serious you were at committing uh, to the vow. And all of it was a system that rabbis implemented and was eventually um, abused to communicate your seriousness but intentionally deceive. And so if you were trying to convince someone that you were telling you the truth or if you were making a commitment or a vow, but you had no real intention of making it, it was written in some rabbinical code that if you only swore by Jerusalem, it was okay to break that vow. And so it became a system of deception and saying, yeah, I intend to do this, but with no real intention or meat behind it. And so what Jesus is saying to his disciples and everyone who would follow after him and try and form a community, he's saying, I'm calling you to live not in an intentionally uh, deceptive way, intentionally deceptive, but to live honestly and trustworthy lives filled with integrity. And so Jesus is inviting people to come and embrace that we live in a new community of people where we can trust one another where we can trust that our yes does mean yes and our no does mean no. And that what we communicate with one another and and how we fulfill our obligations towards one another, that we can trust uh, one another at the simple, uh, as simply with yes and no. That we don't need to add uh, any ornaments to our language, that we can simply trust one another and trust that we care for one another and seek first Christ together. Does that make sense? So Jesus wants us to be honest with each other. And Jesus dismantles 1990s pop music on Casey Kasem's Top 100. They, uh, sorry for all of the pop culture references of my yesteryear. But, uh, but Jesus is seeking for us to be honest and trustworthy people. And so I say all that with a simple invitation of, what if God... Uh, was serious about that, and would we be that sort of community of people together? I think it would be attractive to a world 
that is filled with lies and deceptions if they would run into a community of people who are honest and trustworthy. We, we, uh, we embrace this with car mechanics. I like driving down the road and seeing the little Jesus fish on the mechanics. And it's like, hey, that's the Jesus fish. I know that this mechanic's not going to rip me off. I know that driving by Chick-fil-A, I'm going to get, uh, you know, great chicken. I don't know what that has to do with Jesus. But, uh, the, uh, you know, we have this sort of sense of trust with one another because Christ, Christ is our Lord and our King. What a beautiful thing it is that we can trust one another and have that sense of peace and knowing that we're not going to be taken, we're not going to be, um, we're not going to be lied to in a community. But we live in a world where we are told what we want to hear. We live in a world where uh, we can't always trust everything that we hear or see. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but not everything on Facebook is actually accurate. Um, I know, it's, it's, it's incredible. But we live in a deceptive, lying world. And Jesus invites us to be a community of people who are trustworthy and honest with each other. You think about what would be a witness and testimony to a lost and hurting world. I think that some people might find solace in a community of people who are trusting. That you can trust and know care about you that are going to tell you the truth, not going to um, intentionally deceive you. And so I think about a broken world and what would be a great witness is if we would be that sort of people. Now, it feels like one big kind of ought to, like you guys ought to be trustworthy people. And then it's, and we know how that goes. Like There are plenty of things I ought to do. Am I going to do them? Probably not. But in this case... I want to think about our power to be trustworthy people. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he, um, he says, better read it. He says, only those who are in a state of truthfulness through the confession of their sin to Jesus are not ashamed to tell the truth wherever it must be told. For Bonhoeffer, it was the forgiveness of Christ and the confession of our sins that's been forgiven and wiped out that we don't have to put up our sort of uh, our lies and our deceptions. We don't have to try and appear better than we actually are because what we have is our sins exposed and confessed to Christ. For Bonhoeffer, true community and truthfulness comes from knowing that we are forgiven by Christ and that we can have unity in Him. You think about... Um, Think about trying to like deceive your parents. Um, my kids, they will uh, they will lie to me about brushing their teeth, and be like, "Did you brush your teeth?" And they're like, "Yeah." Like, go brush your teeth, and then they go and skedaddle. And like, they don't put up a fight. They know that they've been had. We want to hide and deceive, and we want to protect ourselves, and we don't want anyone to know that we've done anything wrong. And Bonhoeffer, he just with such great insight says. You know, the antidote for that, for wanting to deceive, wanting to appear better than we are, the sort of making other people think that we have it all together, the antidote to that is just to confess who we are to Christ and know that we're forgiven. 
that I don't need to hide the brokenness that's within me. I don't need to hide the sin that has, that has um, disrupted my life. I don't have to put up a facade like I have it all together. I can be honest with others because I can be honest with God about who I am and what I've done and know I'm forgiven. And so it can feel like an ought to. Like you can walk away from today's message and you can be like, well, Jesus told me that I ought to be trustworthy and I ought to live my life with integrity. And what I would say is, is that Jesus gives you the freedom now because of forgiveness that you can be trustworthy. Because you have been, um, you have been forgiven. And all of the things that we want to hide, all the things that we feel uh, like we're... Um, we're ashamed of we can be trustworthy and honest with each other knowing that the shame or whatever we're trying to hide has been forgiven in christ and we can be one it's the sort of um, sense of community that happens in uh in like groups like alcoholics anonymous where they say their name and they say that they're alcoholics and that sort of sense of unity that they have that they can be vulnerable and truthful I think that any community in Christ is going to come together is going to say I was lost but now I'm found I'm a sinner saved by Jesus Christ I've been redeemed by him and so if we look at the power and capacity to be to, to be trustworthy and honest people with each other it's rooted and founded in the forgiveness of the cross of Christ I can be truthful, I can be vulnerable, I can be real. I don't have to be deceptive because Christ has forgiven me. And so I think our sort of response to this would be to say, what kind of community do we want to be? Do we want to be just as broken and dishonest and deceptive with each other as the world or can we really be truthful with each other? For me, personally, the biggest struggle is just being truthful and honest with my family. Uh, we'll be driving down the road and the kids will want to do something. And my sort of default answer is maybe. And I was thinking about this text and just that simple, simple sort of everyday life experience sort of thing. I'm being intentionally deceptive with my kids. I'm going to string them along and manipulate them when really I need to make a definitive yes or no. No because of this or yes because of that. And so for me, just on the, like, the everyday level, are my words and my being intentionally deceptive? When someone asks me to do something and I say, yes, I'll do it, and then I don't follow through, what am I saying of my character? And so part of it for me, and maybe this is more something you can identify with, is I need to say no more often. That if I'm not going to do it, there's no reason to be intentionally deceptive and saying yes when I have no real plans to mark it on my calendar and do it. One of my favorite phrases, we'll see. I'm sure I'm the only one, but uh, friends, let's think about our words. Let's think about our character and our integrity. 
Let's think about what kind of community we want to be. Because I think that if we can build in our trust of one another, if we grow in our integrity and our character, if we are known as a people who simply let their yes be yes and their no be no, I think that it's one of those sort of subtle things that can make a powerful impact in a community. I can see the headlines, though no one would write them, but I can see them, of a community of people who follow through and do what they say. A people who show up and love. A people who care about one another and are there for each other. Who say they're going to bake a pie for, uh, for someone and they follow through with it. I was hurting and I was sick or something bad happened and there were people who said they would be there and you know what? They were there. Are we a people who let their yes be yes and their no be no? I think as we grow in this and continue to encourage one another, we can be a beautiful testimony of the kingdom uh, kingdom of Christ and the community that he's calling us to be. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for this day and help us to be a people of, of high moral character. Uh, God, we, we live in a world where high moral character is frowned upon, where we're uh, seeing, uh, where we see frequently people who climb uh, climb up corporate ladders by saying what people want to hear and deceiving and lying and manipulating. And God, we know that it's not always advantageous for us to tell the truth. And God, that in, oftentimes it's hard and difficult to follow through on what we say we're going to do. And God, for all of the times that we have fallen short, that our character or integrity have taken a hit. And God, we pray for your healing. We pray for your forgiveness. And God, we pray moving forward and we ask of you that you would help us to trust in the cross of Christ. That we would know that in our forgiveness, God, that we would, um, that we would be, we are forgiven. And we can be honest with each other, honest with ourselves. God, of our own brokenness. And God, in trusting and knowing that we have unity together and forgiveness. God, help us to be a community that uh, the world uh, looks at and sees your goodness and your love. Help us to be a community that shines brightly and brings glory to you. And God, that it wouldn't be about us, but about you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for Christ Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. As the worship team comes forward, I just want to simply challenge and encourage all of us to consider uh, what our next step is in our life and our walk with Christ. Perhaps uh, at the very basic level, you can't be honest with others because you're not honest about your own condition and your own relationship with Christ. That if you've haven't given your life to Christ, now is the time to do that. To come and be baptized and join with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. 
but for those that have been to remind ourselves of, of our baptism, that we are forgiven children of God. I simply want to challenge each and every one of us to be honest of our sin and lay it before God that we might be honest and vulnerable, loving servants of Jesus Christ. Let's continue in our worship. We stand. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit, and He's given us new life. We believe in.